Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Radical abortion protests. Thousands around the nation gathered to protest the overturn of Roe versus Wade, and pro-life people were not welcome. As a matter of fact, some went as far as harassing those who disagree with them. Tyler O'Neill, managing editor for The Daily Signal, joins us to unravel all of the details from the so-called Women's Wave Day of Action. New poll. A new poll shows the divide among Catholic voters when it comes to abortion. Catholics are particularly split down the middle when it comes to the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Executive editor and Washington bureau chief for EWTN News, Matthew Bunsen, joins us to discuss the results. Pro-life, pro-family beliefs. We sit down with Lewis Brown, executive director of Christ Medicus Foundation, to discuss the recent pro-life, pro-family comments made by American rapper Kanye West. Kanye correctly pointed out that black babies are especially targeted by the abortion industry. Thousands of pro-abortion extremists gathered in Washington, D.C. and across the United States this weekend to protest the overturn of Roe v. Wade. The so-called Women's Wave Day of Action, organized by the Women's March and other organizations, brought a lot of chatter about the midterm elections in November. During the protest, senior reporter for The Daily Signal, Mary Margaret Olihan, was harassed by a certain group of marchers known to picket outside the homes of the Supreme Court justices. We reached out to Olihan for a comment. This is what she told us. The Women's March is a revealing event to attend because it exposes some of the most radical leftist attitudes on culture issues. My colleague Tim and I went to the Women's March to gauge protesters' extreme abortion stances, and we bumped into some of the very characters who I have exposed in my reporting for illegally protesting at the homes of the Supreme Court justices. They recognized me and repeatedly harassed us, forcing us to retreat behind the police. And joining me now to unpack this is Tyler O'Neill managing editor of The Daily Signal. Tyler, thanks for joining us so much. Mary Margaret is one of your senior reporters, and while she was at the march, someone blew a whistle in her face very loudly. That person spat on her, and she was screamed at. Uh, people spoke profanities to her. And I just want to ask you if you were surprised by the way that she was treated um, that day at the march. Thanks, Prudence. Yeah, it... <sighs> I was surprised, but frankly, you know, not shocked. These kinds of things often happen to a good journalist who is out there doing her job. Right. Uh, all she did was ask these questions and, you know, very exposing questions, asking protester after protester, like, where they would draw the line. And it just revealed how extreme they are. So, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely unacceptable, but Mary Margaret knows what to do, and she just kept going at it and some of the she got some of the best revealing footage uh, she and Tim together great team at that march and we just you know it it showed so much of yeah. what this movement is right she did a great job she had a lot of poise that day and you know speaking of this she she went around to these marchers asking them do you do you draw a line on abortion at any time all of them said no. They support no limits on abortion. They agree that there should be abortion on demand up till the moment of birth and infanticide. Now, a lot of candidates on the Democrat side are are campaigning on this position. But in your view, based on your research, is this where Americans stand? Yeah, no, Americans are very far off of this mark. The Democrats, 
you know, they like to talk about there not being any restrictions on abortion. They like to say that it's a woman's personal decision. But Americans know that what a woman has inside her is is a baby, is an infant. You know, they see on the ultrasounds, you hear the heartbeat. These are real experiences that people have. And you can't just dismiss them. And you can't just say it should be between a, a woman and her doctor. Because in case after case, you know, we've, we've seen excellent polling coming out saying that, you know, if you ask Americans, do you identify as pro-life or pro-choice, many of them say that they identify as pro-choice. But if you drill down and see, where would you outlaw abortion? At what point? You know, most Americans oppose abortion in the third trimester. Most of them oppose it in the second trimester. If you, this is a very winnable issue for Republicans if they can message it well. And Americans don't support the radical abortion up until birth agenda that the Democratic Party is pushing. Right. And let's talk for a minute about these radical marches, sort of the history of the Women's March. You know, I believe the first one that got real traction took place just after President Trump was elected, the most pro-life president in our nation's history. However, they've really just seemed to become shout-your-abortion marches at this point. What's your take? They've explicitly kicked pro-life women out of these marches and treated them horribly. You know, Mary Margaret's experience is not out of the norm. Mm. You had multiple reporters, multiple women who wanted to express solidarity with their sisters, yet they oppose abortion. And how were they treated? They were spat upon. They were catcalled. You know, some of these activists said, we hope you get raped. And this this is an experience that a lot of pro-life women experience. Have, have faced multiple times mm. over the years at these marches, and it just reveals the hollow nature of the rhetoric of this women's march movement. Mm, yeah, could not agree more. And was there anything else you saw happening that day that really alarmed you, Tyler? Oh, well, as, as a father, and I recently actually had a son. Yes, congratulations um, on that. And thank you. But as a father, it shocked me when I saw footage of Mary Margaret asking a man, you know, you had an abortion do you have any regrets? Like, you would have been a father. And he said, no, I'm very glad I'm not a father. And holding my children, like, I know I'm not a mother, but there's just such, it, it changes your entire world mm. when you have this little baby in your arms. And to know that that man is proud of killing the child that he that he brought into the world, it's just shocking and profoundly, profoundly disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. Despicable. We have to pray for those people that were at that march. Thank you so much for the Daily Signal and the reporting that you all do. It's excellent as always. Thanks for joining us, Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you, Prudence. Perhaps one of the most common arguments we hear from pro-abortion radicals is that women will die without abortion. It's the name of the game right now to scare women into having abortions with claims like these. This particular claim not only ignores the fact that millions of girls in the womb die from abortion every day, but it also distracts from the truth that abortion is exponentially more dangerous than carrying your baby to turn. And joining me now is an expert on maternal mortality statistics, Dr. Monique Wubenhorst, a practicing OBGYN and associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Dr. Wubenhorst, thanks for joining me. You just testified at a hearing held by the House Oversight Committee, and this committee is currently led by pro-abortion Carolyn Maloney, and it was focused on how pro-life laws, quote, harm women. What was your message to the committee members in your testimony? 
Well, first of all, thank you so much, Prudence, for inviting me today. It's a real uh, honor to be here. I think that there are a few, uh, three significant messages that I wanted to try to get across. The first is that abortion is associated with significant harms to women. The second is that abortion is not health care. And finally, kind of a more general message, that the message of the pro-life movement is one of life and hope and justice and mercy. Mm. And just starting with the very first uh, issue that, that you're bringing up, which has to do with the question of abortion being health care. Abortion is not health care. And I tried to reiterate this point a few times because health care is defined as procedures and interventions that prevent, treat, or palliate disease. So if you're going to say that abortion is health care, the, the natural question immediately after that is, what disease are you treating? What disease are you preventing? What disease are you palliating? Mm, yeah, great point. And Dr. Wubenhorst, tell me about your background. Uh, that really makes you an expert in this field. I understand you worked with USAID during the Trump administration. Yes, so I think that uh, you know, being an expert, different people have different definitions of being an expert. I'm sure you're aware of that. In terms of my own personal connection, my own clinical connection in working with women, I've spent most of my career working in women, uh, with women in disadvantaged populations, mostly African-American women. I've spent quite a bit of time on uh, Native American reservations, rural North Carolina uh, slash Appalachia, and then internationally in a variety of countries. So in terms of the practice, from the standpoint of practice and understanding the needs of women, uh, especially women in vulnerable uh, communities and populations, that has been the emphasis, clinical emphasis in my career. Mm. And then in addition to that, as you said, I did uh, work um, as senior deputy assistant administrator in the Bureau of Global Health at the United States Agency for International, uh, International Development uh, during the Trump administration. And we did quite a lot of work internationally uh, regarding uh, ways to reduce maternal mortality and to improve the health and status of women. Mm, yes, and, and when we look at maternal mortality rates in other countries, speaking of that, what does that tell us about how access to abortion truly impacts women's health? Well, one of the points that I brought up during the, uh, the House Oversight Committee hearing was that if you look at specific countries that have low rates of maternal mortality, and the three examples that immediately come to mind are Ireland, Chile, and Cyprus, prior to changes in the abortion law, these countries had the lowest maternal mortality rate in the world. In fact, for a few years, Ireland had zero maternal mortalities. Similarly, Chile, after uh, uh, Pinochet came to power, completely outlawed abortion, and Chile had one of the lowest rates of probably the second lowest rate of maternal mortality in the world. So I think that those, those statistics indicate that abortion is not necessary either for women's health or to reduce maternal mortality. Yeah, those are really eye-opening stats. Um, and shifting gears for our last question, we have about 30 seconds left. You're also an expert on how abortion disproportionately impacts black women. As, as you mentioned, you've worked with a lot of them. We actually heard Kanye West allude to this in a recent interview with Tucker Carlson. Can you share any recent statistics that directly point to this? Yes, and uh, I do appreciate Mr. West's comment because it's bringing attention to something that people have either are not aware of or have ignored. So from 2012 to 2016, in New York City, there were more African-American babies aborted than born. 
if you look at the period from 2012 to 2019, there were 181,000 births and 192,000 abortions. That's a significant difference in the number, percentage of live births to abortions. And the other issue there is that the birth rate among black women is declining. So these are statistics that suggest that this is a significant issue. And sadly, if you try to get these statistics, say, for example, the city of Chicago and other cities, they're simply not available. And this underscores the need for us to try to get better abortion statistics so that we can begin to understand the impact. Whether you are pro-life or pro-abortion, this is a public health issue that we need to understand. Mm. Well, thank you so much for that insight. Dr. Monique Lubenhorst of the Charlotte Lozier Institute, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, too. According to a new EWTN News Real Clear Politics poll, Catholics remain divided on the abortion issue, but agree President Joe Biden should not run for re-election. This is the second of three surveys that will be conducted together by EWTN and RCP surrounding this year's midterm elections. This round of surveys found that 67% of Catholic voters support public funding for pregnancy resource centers, while 18% are opposed. When asked if they agree or disagree with the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, Catholic voters are almost evenly split. 48% say abortion should be a federally protected right, and 46% say each state should determine its own abortion policy. 6% were not sure. This is somewhat troubling given that the church clearly teaches that abortion should not be a right and that it is in fact the killing of an unborn baby, making it gravely wrong. Joining us now with analysis is Matthew Bunsen, executive editor and Washington bureau chief for EWTN News. Matthew, thanks for joining me. This is the second survey that has been conducted after the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And 75% of mass attending Catholics say they favor the overturn of Roe, while 50% of those who attend a few times a year or less believe abortion should be a federally protected right. Are you surprised to see those numbers at all? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, and I, I say that because this is very consistent with the disparity in our polling that we have uh, monitored now really since November of 2019 when we began working with Real Clear Opinion Research on these polls. Uh, what we find is that there is a, a significant gulf between those who attend mass regularly and those who don't uh, on almost every core issue, especially in the area of Catholic belief. So it is not surprising that uh, those who attend mass on a more regular basis are much more opposed uh, to abortion. And in fact, a majority uh, would be solidly uh, opposed uh, to abortion under any circumstances, uh, whereas those who attend much less regularly, uh, either once a year or never, uh, tend to hold positions that are very clearly contrary to the teachings of the church, abortion included in that. So, no, I can't say that uh, we're surprised, but we are, of course, uh, disappointed. Right. really speaks to the importance of receiving the sacraments. I'm sure you would agree. And a majority of Catholic voters surveyed in this poll support public funding for pregnancy resource centers. Thankfully, 62% believe political and church leaders should be speaking out against the recent attacks on these centers, compared to just 15% who say they should not. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, this is consistent uh, with what we're finding nationally. Uh, if we look at Catholics, and this is all Catholics, uh, Catholic voters, uh, there is a very strong level of support for pregnancy resource centers. This flies, of course, in the face of something of, a, of an orchestrated campaign against pregnant re uh, pregnancy resource centers that we're seeing 
most conspicuously led by Senator Elizabeth Warren. Uh, what I think it does is that uh, it really flows from uh, much of the Dobbs decision, uh, in which now the question is going to be uh, how we can support pregnant women, how we can actually help uh, to help mothers uh, in as they're trying to live their lives. Yeah. And Matthew, when it comes to pro-life issues, what can we expect in the midterm elections based on this poll? Do you think that pro-life candidates are likely to win based on the results? Well, I think uh, it's been an interesting thing to try to chart as the campaign has gone on. The, the Democrats have clearly made abortion one of the linchpins uh, of their campaign for the midterms, assuming, uh, as they are, uh, that uh, the overturn of Roe v. Wade is going to galvanize much of their voter base. What we're finding, I think, in this poll is that uh, abortion as an important element or an important issue for Catholic voters ranks uh, only at 10 percent. It's tied with immigration. Mm. This election, it appears, uh, is going to be focused much more intently on economic issues of inflation uh, and the economy and jobs. Now, that, uh, I think, would be a disappointment for the Democrats. Now, on the other hand, uh, what we're also seeing, I think, uh, is an opportunity for pro-life candidates uh, to start contrast, to, to make a contrast between themselves uh, and uh, their rivals uh, politically on both sides. What I mean by that is that 87% uh, of Catholic voters, uh, this is across the board, want some kind of restriction or regulation on abortion. Uh, now, obviously, our goal is that uh, we end abortion completely. But that is a pretty stark contrast to what we're seeing with a lot of pro-abortion candidates uh, in the United States, and that is that they want no restrictions of any kind on abortion. So the ground is being uh, really staked out here, uh, and it is an opportunity for pro-life candidates to create that contrast on this issue. Mm, yes, and speaking of pro-abortion leaders, Matthew, a very important stat here. We also saw that a majority of Catholics believe President Biden should not run for re-election. What are your thoughts on that? Well, this is uh, one of the most interesting takeaways uh, from this poll, uh, that uh, a majority of Catholic voters, and again, that runs across pretty much every category of Catholic voter, uh, would not want uh, President Biden to run for a second term. Now, and even higher, this is about 58 percent. But 67 percent of Catholic voters also don't want President Trump uh, to run for uh, election again. So that tells us that I think Catholic voters really want to turn the page in some ways uh, politically uh, on both this administration, the current one, and the previous one. So I think they're looking for a, a different slate of candidates. Now, it is important to note that President Biden is the second Catholic president in the history of the United States. So in that sense, uh, these findings are really quite striking. Mm. And is there anything else that you caught um, that, that caught your attention in this poll, Matthew? We have just about 30 seconds left. Yeah, very briefly, I think uh, the loss of support uh, among Hispanic voters for the Democrats, President Biden in particular, is something of great importance uh, and could be a decisive element in how the midterms turn out. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your expert analysis on all of this. Matthew Benson of EWTN News will continue to follow it as the election nears. Thank you. Good to be with you. Coming up, First Lady Jill Biden uses her friend's abortion story to sway voters in the upcoming November midterm elections, providing the abortion lobby with their return on investment for electing her husband to office. I speak out. Plus, we take a look at the recent pro-life comments made by American rapper Kanye West.
Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. The First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden, is an abortion extremist and a poser. That is this week's Speak Out segment. Jill Biden recently paraded her support for abortion at a donor event for Nancy Pelosi and other pro-abortion hacks, raking in $500 a plate with her deceitful lie that women need abortion to succeed. She told the story of how in high school she once helped a friend of hers keep her abortion a secret. Dr. Jill said when she visited her friend after the death of the innocent unborn baby, she drove home crying. She described the experience as one of, quote, Secrecy, silence, shame, and anger. Wouldn't you think that based on this story, Dr. Jill would want less abortions? But no, she's working with Pelosi to perpetuate this evil, fatal act. For the Democrat campaign, she's a poster woman, using her supposed success and the title of doctor to tout abortion as good. And she's using her emotional abortion story to pretend that she cares about other women who face difficult choices. But don't let her fool you. For her, abortion equals the same as it does for all Democrats, the power and the green. In a recent interview on Tucker Carlson Tonight, rapper and Christian Kanye West, now known as Ye, talked extensively about his pro-life, pro-family beliefs. Take a listen. Photograph on it, what is that? It's a photograph of a baby's ultrasound. Why is that, and that you designed that? Yes. Why? What does that mean? Uh, it just represents life and pro-life. Boy, so you wear it on a badge. What, what kind of response do you get? And, and good, amen, I agree. I don't care about people's responses. I care about the fact that there's more black babies being aborted than born in New York City at this point. Joining me now with his reaction is Lewis Brown, executive director of Christ Medicus Foundation. Lewis, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Sure. Starting off, what was your initial reaction to this interview? Yeah, my reaction to what was said is uh, a larger awakening that I see happening with younger African-American folks mm -hmm. that have an awareness and a realization that life is life, uh, that we have to protect the unborn, uh, that uh, the sanctity of life is the foundation for all human and civil rights, uh, and that abortion is murder and disproportionately impacts African-Americans. Uh, and so we, we need to do something about it. We need to see the protection of the unborn as part of the ongoing civil rights movement to protect human dignity and the human and civil rights of all Americans, uh, and in this case, particularly African-Americans who have been disproportionately impacted by abortion. Yes, and, and let's talk about that. What practically, what tangentially can be done about this racial disparity? You know, Kanye is right when he says that more black babies at this point are being aborted in New York City than they are born. Sure. I think, I think first, it's important that people ranging from folks that are parishioners at, at a parish in Maryland or a parish in Michigan or Texas, parishioners should be talking about this with uh, their family members, with their friends. I think prayerfully engaging in uh, the networks that folks have, whether it's social media or other networks, I think that's very important. Calling attention to the disproportionate impact that this has on African Americans, the fact that we've had over uh, well north of 60 million uh, unborn children aborted, that we've had well over uh, uh, 16 million African American children aborted in the United States, that it is, it's appropriate to call it, in my opinion, a African American, a black genocide. I was looking at some of the statistics from Michigan Right to Life that showed that even though Michigan uh, has a population, a black population that's about 14 percent, 
African-American children account for uh, over 50 percent of the abortions that happened in that state last year. So we need to talk that abortion's bad for everybody. It's impacting all of our country, uh, but it's also a racist policy. It's one of the most racist policies uh, in American history, and that if folks care about human rights, if folks care about civil rights and human dignity, if folks care about life and love in America, they need to be pro-life. Amen. And talk to me a little bit about what you are laser-focused on at the Christ Medicus Foundation right now in your role. Sure. We see, for the pro-life movement going forward, we see three things that are really important. Uh, the first thing is to get the restrictions on abortion, to pass pro-life laws of restricting abortion at the federal and the state level uh, that are politically possible. That's very important, and to show boldness and courage there. Uh, the second thing is, in, a, in more pro-abortion states, it's vital, it's vital that we protect the uh, civil right of conscience and religious freedom mm -hmm. for pro-life medical professionals and healthcare entities. We see in New York and other places that state governments are coming after uh, pro-life medical professionals. Uh, they're coming after pro-life healthcare entities. They're coming after pregnancy clinics. We need to robustly defend the laws that are on the books on the, at the federal level uh, and and work for laws at the state level that protect conscience and religious freedom. The third thing that needs to be done, the last thing, is we need to do everything in our power to expand the availability of pro-life medical care. Uh, that's absolutely vital. It's wonderful that we have uh, the pregnancy clinics that we have. Pregnancy clinics outnumber, uh, and we know this, and it's probably been said here many times in your program, they outnumber by far abortion clinics. We need to do even more. We need to transition uh, where we can pregnancy clinics into full-on uh, medical centers yes. to bring uh, women into not just a relationship with a uh, clinic, but a relationship with a community of Catholics that are going to support them in their health care needs. Mm -hmm. So that's some of the things that we think that can be done. That's what we're focused on at Christ Medicus. Mm -hmm. Well, the work you're doing is so important. We're so grateful that you're expanding those resources. Lewis Brown of the Christ Medicus Foundation, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.